Welcome to the Q Podcast Show, where we discuss ideas, innovations, and thought leadership in frontier areas such as AI, machine learning, and finance. This podcast is the third part from the Machine Learning and Finance guest lecture. In today's session, we are joined by Dr. Paul Billacon from Imperial College London in a discussion on scholastic filtering and MCMC in finance. While the focus in machine learning is on neural networks, Dr. Billacon shall demonstrate that other algorithms can be considered in this paradigm. In particular, we shall introduce scholastic filtering and MCMC with applications to finance. So today we will consider a family of algorithms known as stochastic filtering, and another family of algorithms briefly known as Markov chain Monte Carlo. The ingredients are quite straightforward. We have the time, which is represented by by a totally ordered set. We have a probability space and a filtration on that probability space. The probability space and the filtration satisfy the usual conditions. There is an FT-adapted stochastic process X taking values in a complete separable metric space S, Uh, the process XT, which we shall refer to as the state process, represents the unobserved state of the system at time T. The space S will be referred to as the state space. This process generates the filtration curly XT. Another stochastic process Y, possibly multidimensional, represents the related observation of the system at time T, taking values in a Euclidean space. Y also generates a filtration, curly YT. If we want to really look at what is going on, uh, this is a diagram that explains what's happening. Uh, The uh, stochastic process evolves in uh, the state space. The state stochastic process evolves in the state space. Its evolution is described by the process model. We know how the process changes from time T1 to T2. Um, how it's supposed to change. But the model may be stochastic. The model may be stochastic, and in practice there is randomness in the evolution of the process. We do not observe the process in the state space. This is why we refer to the state as latent or hidden. On the other hand, we can observe it, observe a function of this process, again, possibly a stochastic function of this process, in the observation space. Uh, It is this function, the observation model, that maps the process from the state space to the observation space. Thus, we observe some related process to the hidden process, um, to the hidden process X, we call the observable process, process Y, and it is linked to the unobserved process using the observation model. At various times, we, we see how the observation model maps the latent state process into the observation space. We're interested in computing pi t, the conditional distribution of xt, given the filtration yt. It is defined as a random probability measure which is measurable with respect to yt, so that the expectation, um, this expectation, can be obtained for all statistics psi for which both terms of the above identity make sense. Knowing pi t will enable us to compute any statistic of xt given the filtration yt corresponding to a suitable psi. We want to obtain the best estimate, which is our solution uh, x hat t of the state of the system xt based on the observations ys for 0 up to time t. 
based on the observations means that the solution is the expectation of xt given the filtration yt. Best estimate means that we want the solution to be causal, that is based on the observation. The estimate x hat t is obtained using only ys for s less than or equal to t. In other words, x hat t is yt measurable. It needs to be optimal. x hat t should minimize the mean squared error. We write MMSE for minimum mean square error. And it needs to be online. For an arbitrary time t, x hat t is available. We have spoken thus far in considerable generality. Let us turn our attention to a particularly important special case of the filtering problem, namely the filtering for discrete time general state space models known as hidden Markov models, HMMs. Such models are prevalent in econometrics due to the relative ease of the estimation of their parameters and forecasting. We shall keep our notation and terminology roughly consistent with, uh, the, uh, with the book. These models are discrete time, that is, we regard T as a countable set, and without loss of generality, we identify the set representing time with natural numbers. Since our models consider the evolution of a system over time, they're described as dynamic. We shall also assume that the state vector takes values in the Euclidean space, um, and uh, so now it is represented by a state vector, and the observation process take, also takes values in the Euclidean space, possibly of a different dimension, uh, so it is now represented by an observation vector. We assume that the sequence of random variables x0, x1, x2, and so on, is a mark of chain, that is the conditional distribution of xt, given x0 up to xt minus 1, depends only upon xt minus 1. Mathematically, this can be represented as follows. This probability density, um, is, or the, this probability distribution, um, is, is uh, known as the Markov transition kernel. The state process, xt, is assumed to be not directly observable, hence the term latent Markov model. We regard the sequence of random variables y1, y2, and so on as observations ordered in time, such a sequence is usually referred to as a time series. Each random variable yt will be assumed to be conditionally independent of other observations given the state xt. In other words, we have the following condition. For all t belonging to the natural numbers, the probability measure gamma t given by this is assumed to have a positive density denoted by little p gamma t. And this positive density is known as the observation density with respect to the uh, Lebesgue measure. Hence, we have the following. While xt is indeed latent, it is related to the observation yt via this measure. Particle filtering methods rely on the numerical approximation of pi t with a set of particles. To apply these methods, we don't require the Markov transition kernel to have a probability density, the Markov transition density. However, we need to be able to sample from the Markov transition kernel. This gives rise to the first algorithm that we consider today, the particle filter also known as sequential importance resampling. The algorithm is very simple. We sample the particles, m of them, from uh, in the initialization step um, from the, original, um, from the uh, original distribution, from the initial distribution. 
we also initialize normalized weights, m of them, to 1 over m. So we denote the particles in this manner, and the corresponding weights we denote in this manner. Then follows the recursive step. First of all, we sample the next particle from the transition kernel. After that, when we get the observation, we compute the new weights of the particles, and then we normalize them. And then we use these normalized weights to sample new particles, that is, resample. Um, and then the recursive step is repeated again. There are multiple resampling algorithms. Um, in particular, people often use multinomial resampling, which is given here. It's a straightforward way of obtaining new particles given weighted particles. And it is very similar to genetic algorithms. Here we have given the most common version of the particle filter known as sequential importance resampling. There are many variations on, a, on this algorithm. For example, in some such variations, the number of particles may vary with time. So instead of m, we would have an appropriately defined mt. In this particular formulation of the filter, all the weights are resampling, uh, after resampling, are set to 1 over m. Um, this isn't the case in all variants of the particle filter. The, the, there is also a version of particle filter known as sequential importance sampling rather than se sequential importance resampling, which is known to suffer from the degeneracy problem, when in some situations only a few particles end up with significant weight and all the other particles have near zero weight. The resampling step is designed to remedy this. The particular scheme that we have given uh, in the resampling um, as the resampling algorithm is known as multinomial resampling. And the filter that, it, that uses it is sometimes referred to as the weighted bootstrap filter. The naive implementation of multinomial resampling step has the time complexity of, of order m log m. An implementation uh, based on uh, a different paper has the time complexity of order m. One alternative is to use stratified sampling, which won't be dis discussed here. It introduces no computational overhead. For each t, this algorithm provides the prior and posterior approximations to pi t, namely this and this. When using the resampling scheme given here, the resampled weights are all set to 1 over m, so this constant can be factored out of the sum. The prior state mean and covariance estimates in the particle filter are given respectively by the following numbers, or possibly vectors. Similarly, one obtains the posterior state mean and covariance before resampling uh, and after resampling. One application of particle filters is uh, found in uh, is, is, is stochastic volatility. In stochastic volatility literature, the prize follows a geometric Brownian motion, the volatility fo follows an Ornstein-Ullenbeck process. Various modifications of this model occur in the literature. Many of these papers are concerned with the pricing of derivatives and use numerical methods to determine option prices. In the Garch family, the conditional variance is a deterministic function of past squared returns, whereas in stochastic volatility it is driven by an unobserved stochastic process.
Another stylized fact highlighted in uh, Black's, Black, Black's paper is the relation between stock returns and changes in volatility. I have believed for a long time that stock returns are related to volatility changes. When stocks go up, volatility seems to go down, and when stocks go down, volatility seems to go up. The extreme example of this is the depression of the, of the 1930s. Stocks went way, up, way down and volatilities went way up. The term leverage effect refers to thus observed negative correlation between changes in asset prices and changes in volatility. The term takes its origin in the following explanation suggested by Black. A, George, a drop in the value of the firm will, will cause a negative return on its stock and will usually increase the leverage of the stock. Whether or not and to what extent the leverage effect is due to leverage is debatable. We can uh, discretize the stochastic volatility model as follows. So we have the log return and we have the log variance or representing the volatility. Um, the log return uh, follows the standard form which is here um, in, 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 this, um, in this particular formulation we have added following Pitt, Malik and Doucet, we have added jumps uh, and the uh, and this is the observed process, so we can observe the returns, uh, the log returns on the stock, whereas the log variance remains unobserved. Uh, furthermore, we impose a correlation structure on the two uh, uh, normal random variables, epsilon and eta. Um, which models the negative correlation, which is the leverage effect. Particle filtering methods can be used to back out the unobserved um, volatility or log variance, given the observed log returns. So in order to do this, we um, need to come up with the Markov transition density kernel. We need to come up with the measurement of observation density. Um, and um, we should be able to sample from the Markov transition density kernel. We should be able to compute the measurement or observation density. And the model itself is parameterized in several values. And we end up with the parameter vector theta. As, uh, as an exercise in the book, we derive the particle filter for this particular model. If you are interested, you can read up um, in the book on this exercise. How can we calibrate the parameters? The particle filter has the log likelihood function, uh, which is given by the following formula. We can use it as an objective function to estimate the parameter vector theta. This is done in the following way. Each run of the particle filter on the data gives rise to a single observation of the likelihood function. We can then set up a, a search in the parameter space for the parameters that maximize the likelihood function. And in this way, we come up with the frequentist maximum likelihood estimation of the parameters. Here are some results of running different kinds of stochastic filters on stochastic volatility model. This particular filter is a, derivation, is, is a derivative of the Kalman filter, which was first proposed for this problem by Harvey and Shepard.
This is a modified unscented Kalman filter, a, a derivative, uh, a generalization of the Kalman filter, which we have not yet considered. This is the Gaussian assumed density filter, which I derived in my master's thesis. Finally, we can see that particle filtering methods, although they're the most computationally intensive, provide the best tracking of the unobserved volatility. Of particular interest are linear Gaussian models. Linear Gaussian models are a, another family of models where the observation evolves according to this function, where the noise WT is Gaussian, and where, sorry, the state evolves according to, according to this function, according to this process model, whereas the observation um, evol is related to the state according to this observation equation, and the noise here is again Gaussian. For this particular case, we don't usually use the... Um, the um, particle filtering algorithms. Instead, we use the Kalman filter algorithm. Kalman filter consists of two steps, the prediction step and the update step. The state and its associated covariance is propagated using the process model. So in this way, we obtain the, the uh, Bayesian prior um, of, the, of the state. We then use this um, estimate, the prior, to uh, come up with a predicted observation. Um, and then we compare this observation with the real observation and, and their difference gives us the innovation or observation residual. Based on this innovation, we compute the um, linear Kalman gain. The Kalman gain tells us how much importance to attribute to new information as opposed to our <clears throat> our estimate um, of the observation. Thus, Kalman gain gives the relative weighting between the innovation and our our prior estimate of the state of of the of the obs of, of the observation, which gives us um, also the posterior estimate of the state and the state covariance. Kalman filter has some nice properties. In particular, the, the capital P is a faithful representation of prior, uh, prior error covariance, that is capital P, T given T minus one. Uh, capital P, T given T is a faithful representation of the posterior error covariance. Um, the prior state estimate is unbiased, the posterior state estimate is unbiased, and the solution to the filtering problem in this case is causal, optimal, and online. The Kalman filter gives rise to um, an important equation called the matrix Riccati equation. And there is an extensive theory of the matrix Riccati equation, which you, can, which you can read up on in the literature. It is worth noting here that Kalman's original thinking wasn't formally Bayesian. It was Ho and Lee that would later reinterpret this filter from the Bayesian perspective. Thus, we have the computation of the Bayesian prior and the computation of the Bayesian posterior. Uh, there are several purely Bayesian ways to derive the, the Kalman filter. One particular system that is amenable to, to Kalman filter is the classical Newtonian, Newtonian system, where we have the, um, 
velocity, uh, the displacement r, velocity v, and acceleration a. If we um, carefully consider this system of equations, we note that we, we end up with a standard differential equation in matrix form, um, which we can solve in the following way. And um, we can rewrite the system in the form of the Kalman filter algorithm. Therefore, the classical Newtonian system can be rewritten as a Kalman filter um, uh, state space model. This explains why the Kalman filter is so, so commonly used in aerospace. In finance, um, we, we have probably all encountered autoregressive moving average armor models, armor PQ models. And again, if we do a little bit of maths on the uh, autoregressive moving average model, we will see that the autoregressive moving average model can be expressed in the Kalman filter, um, in the Kalman filter, um, uh, in, in the Kalman filter uh, gen, uh, um, state space models form. We can see how. Um, we can then uh, generate the true state and the noisy observation. So we added some quite a lot of noise to the observation. And then uh, we can use the Kalman filter to back out the true state, even though the observations are noisy. This is a useful application of Kalman filters to armor models. Of course, if we just have the Wiener process and we discretize it, we also end up with a Kalman filter, um, with a Kalman filter state space model. But not just the Wiener process. If we have the geometric Brownian motion, we can simply take logs of the of the state, and we also end up in in the Kalman filter territory. But not just the uh, Wiener process and the geometric Brownian motion. If we do some maths on the Ornstein Ullenbeck process, which is very, very common in uh, all of finance, then we also note that we can derive the, um, the Kalman filter uh, state space model uh, based on the Ornstein Ullenbeck process as well. And if we look at the multivariate Wiener process, again, we see that we can come up with a um, Kalman filter representation of the multivariate Wiener process. And if we are faced with a multivariate Ornstein Ullenberg process, this is slightly more challenging, but with a little bit of um, a little bit of algebra, we end up with a Kalman filter representation of the multivariate Ornstein Ullenberg process. So we can see that for many of the use cases found in finance, the Kalman filter is extremely versatile and very, very helpful. Let us briefly discuss how filtering methods relate to Markov chain Monte Carlo methods. Uh, a vast subject in its own right, therefore our discussion will be very, very cursory. The technique takes its origin from the work of Nicholas Metropolis, Marshall Rosenbluth and his first wife, Ariana Rosenbluth, Edward Teller and his wife, Augusta Teller, at Los Alamos on studying a liquid in equilibrium with its gas phase. 
The discovery came when its authors realized that instead of simulating the exact dynamics, they could simulate a certain Markov chain with the same equilibrium distribution. Proceeding along the lines of, um, of the literature, um, Meyer and Yu demonstrate how Markov chain Monte Carlo techniques can be used to estimate the parameters of the stochastic volatility model with leverage. They calibrate the parameters to the time series of observations of daily mean adjusted log returns. They obtain the joint prior density of the parameters um, by successive conditioning. They assume prior independence of the parameters and choose the same priors as have been previously established in the literature. Thus, the observation model and the conditional independence assumption gives the likelihood and the joint posterior distribution of the unobservables, the parameters theta and the hidden state x0 up to xc. In the Bayesian perspective, these are treated identically and estimated in a similar manner. Following from Bayes's theorem for the SVL model, this posterior satisfies the following equation. Here, pm, pf mu, pf phi, pf sigma v squared, and pf rho are the appropriately chosen priors, and the uh, transition density and the uh, observation uh, observation density are exactly as they're given in the um, particle filter. Marion and Yu used the software package bugs to represent the resulting Bayesian model as a directed acyclic graph or DAG where the nodes are either constants denoted by rectangles, stochastic no nodes, uh, variables that are given a distribution denoted by ellipses, or deterministic nodes, logical functions of other nodes. The arrows either indicate stochastic dependence, solid arrows, or logical functions, hollow arrows. This graph helps visualize the conditional independence assumptions and is used by bugs to construct full univariate conditional posterior distributions for all unobservables. It then uses Markov chain Monte Carlo algorithms to sample from these distributions. The algorithm based on the original work is now known as the Metropolis algorithm. It has been generalized by Hastings to obtain the Metropolis-Hastings algorithm and further by Peter Green to obtain what is known as Metropolis-Hastings-Green algorithm. A popular algorithm based on a special case of the Metropolis-Hastings algorithm known as the Gibbs sampler was developed by, um, by Stuart J. German and Donald German and independently by Martin Abatana and uh, Wing Hang Wong. It was further popularized by Alan Gelfand and Adrian Smith. Gibbs sampling and related algorithms are used by bugs to sample the, from the univariate conditional posterior distributions for all unobservables. As a result, we perform Bayesian estimation, obtain estimates of the distributions of the parameters mu, phi, sigma v squared, and rho, rather than frequentist estimation where a single value of the parameters vectors, vector which maximizes the likelihood is produced. Stochastic filtering, sometimes in combination with Markov chain Monte Carlo, can be used for both frequentist and Bayesian parameter estimation. Filtering methods that update estimates of the parameters in line while possessing uh, processing observations in real time are referred to as adaptive filtering. Thank you for joining us for today's session of the Q Podcast Show. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit us at quantuniversity.com for upcoming events, courses, and to continue the discussion.